Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Malkovich! Speaking to you live, the Olympics of Serenity have become the Olympics of Terror. Arab guerrillas disguised as athletes killed one man. As of now, there are nine Israelis being held prisoner. And you have until 12 o'clock? They said that at 12 o'clock they will shoot. It's blackmail of the worst kind. The crowd estimated at 75 to 80,000 people has gathered. The IOC was determined that come what may, the games must go on. The, the way we record these, <laughs> you can definitely, they have like an album like quality to them where it's like, you can tell like, this is Ben Zook's like white album face or like his Sergeant Pepper. Like you can tell your sort of level of enthusiasm by how many. We're doing <laughs> All right. Do your worst, Michael Denniston. You know, one day in September, uh, you know, tells the story of, you know, the infamous, uh, uh, you know, uh, murder of 11 Israeli athletes at the 1972 Summer Olympics in Munich. And, uh, you know, this was, like you said, this has been, you know, the, the um, you know, the, the, this was the starting point uh, for the movie uh, Munich, uh, which, you know, is, is, is really more about the Mossad uh, reaction to uh you know to this terrorist uh incident um and w- so the 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 interesting thing right off the bat with this documentary which 
is trying to really tell the specifics of the story of what happened on this day in September uh, is that he actually interviews the uh, the last surviving uh, member of the of the PLO who uh, is in hiding. And apparently Kevin McDonald had to, you know, jump through a lot of hoops in order to do this interview with him. And right off the bat, that's a very controversial choice uh, to, to give this guy any airtime in the documentary. Um, and, I, and I could see how... So Roger Ebert has an interesting review on this film. He, he basically recommends the film, but with reservations. And, uh, you know, and kind of and I think what's at play there is that the the style the that the movie is presenting is kind of at odds with Kevin McDonald's um, attempt to to have a very objective view here and also uh, and also, you know, have this interview, you know, with the you know, with this, you know, murderer and um the the style i guess i would probably say is closer to the choices that uh michael moore would make you know in in his documentaries which are um which i think it's fair to say they they are you know his documentaries are agitprop uh they're they're pieces of you know agitpropaganda and i don't i don't mean that in a negative way uh you know i mean that you know the the what Michael Moore is going for in his documentaries is he wants a big emotional reaction from his audience. And, uh, at least at the time, you know, between like the eighties and the nineties and the two thousands, you know, Moore was really very successful at that. And, and I think a lot of documentarians, uh, were, were trying to, um, go in the, go in a similar direction and, and make sure that, uh, audiences weren't um, weren't seeing documentaries as purely educational, and you can say, I mean, there's sort of a discussion be had about whether or not that is a good thing or or a bad thing. I I like this film. I think the I could see why people might have issues with it, but ultimately, you know, I found it to be I found it to be pretty informative. Uh, I found it to be pretty surprising. Um, I can see why, like, if you look at the list of the movies that were actually nominated uh, for the documentary award at the Academy Awards that year, it's like, you know, it's this, which is, you know, about an obviously important event. uh, (laughs) And and it's up against uh, uh, three music documentaries and like a sports documentary. And so it's like, obviously... The, the Academy was going to go with something that had some heft to it. You know, I mean, I, I enjoyed uh, the Vim Vendors uh, movie, Buena Vista Social Club, more than you did. Uh, you know, no way would I would I vote uh, for, for that over over one day in September uh, if they were on a list together. Um, it's a toss-up for me, I have to admit, at this point. Uh, but we are <laughs> we do have thankfully one more uh, documentary coming up that was not nominated that uh, would rank far more highly than either of those for me. Absolutely. And I, but I think I think it's a mistake to look at the uh, so the documentary branch of the Academy has always been really controversial. Uh, Roger Ebert himself led a campaign about this when um, 
the uh, Kevin James um, uh, movie uh, uh, Hoop Dreams. <laughs> I was about to really. I was like, yeah, the you know the one that people <laughs> everywhere know by name, and you were like, uh, what was the name of it? <laughs> so Hoop Dreams. When Hoop Dreams didn't get nominated, he led a campaign, you know, to kind of expose some of the corruption going on in the documentary brand. Didn't do any good. It still goes on today. Um, I think it's a mistake to look at their corruption and mistakes that they make and then suddenly attack, you know, the films that, that you know, that benefited, uh, you know, from that corruption. I mean, I don't, yeah, I, you know. I, I didn't realize, and this, this is just on the Wikipedia page, that uh, one of the, I guess, the rules here uh, that was set up uh, by that that portion of the, uh, the Academy uh, it dictated that only members who have seen all nominated films may vote. And so the producer of One Day in September here apparently just limited uh, the screening of uh, his films uh, to a very small group of invited people. So he, so he could limit the amount of people who could actually vote on this thing. Uh, very strange. I, I didn't know that. But I, I think it it definitely – I think it explains some of the reasons that some of like the obvious – uh, films that uh, would win or should win, like uh-huh. something like Hoop Dreams, uh, suddenly like you know can't can't get on the ballot or whatever. Um, yeah, um, they're crooks. They're all crooks. But um, I, yeah, I have problems with the the film in, in other ways. So you mentioned uh, you know sort of at the top that we are going to subject ourselves to the thoughts of uh, a terrorist, uh, of a murderer, uh, and his sort of opinions uh, on the matter, which I didn't have as much of an issue with because I didn't feel like the film allowed him to give much in the way of opinion uh, politically on the matter. I I thought for most of the runtime, we're just going sort of minute by minute, you know, here, here, very procedural, right? Here's here, here are how things happen and here are, are how things went very wrong. And so the thing that I liked most about the film was the the reaction from I guess the uh, you know the the Olympic committee or whatever like mm-hmm. the, the basically how do we keep putting on our big production our big mm-hmm. show and how do we get this out of our hair and like please if we could only transport these hostages <laughs> off site from the games then you know the 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 track and field can resume or whatever uh, which. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know at the time, like I can't imagine that's something that changes with the times, right? Like that's something that's always going to be offensive and ridiculous, right? It's not like it's our modern well, sensibilities well, that's looking at that as some sort of criminal offense. But, but from a documentarian, from the documentarian's point of view, like, like he's just showing what, you know, what their, what their real, uh, you know, strategy was here. He's not making a judgment call. On right. It. No, no, no. But I, I'm you saying, know. I don't think that's something that's like, well, you know, crazy times decades ago that they thought they could just, you know, have the games. I'm pretty sure probably most people would have been offended by their their actions at the time. If if that was something that was was being put out there, like, oh, they're, they're really just trying to get this whole uh, uh, hostage situation off their hands. Uh, I don't think that's something that's being looked at with, you know, 1999 or 2019 sensibilities here. This is, you know, everyone's coming across looking looking very bad here that's what uh, i liked about it (laughs) and (laughs) i because i didn't know any i didn't know about all that you know what i mean like when when it comes to when it comes to the munich uh you know terrorist attack the the, all we ever all we ever really saw 
you know, was the was the um, I forget the con- the news commentator's guy, the, his name right now. But, you know, him looking into the camera and saying they're all gone. They're all gone. Yeah. And I'm Jim McKay speaking to you live at this moment from ABC headquarters just outside the Olympic Village in Munich, West Germany. This is building number 31. And we're moving in now on the windows behind which at this moment eight or nine terrified living human beings are being held prisoner the latest word we get from the airport is that quote all hell is broken loose out there that there is still shooting going on that there there's report of a burning helicopter when i was a kid my father used to say our greatest hopes and our worst fears are seldom realized our worst fears have been realized tonight they've now said that there were 11 hostages two were killed in their rooms this morning, yesterday morning nine were killed at the airport tonight they're all gone that's uh, that's all we and, and you know the um you know uh, steven spielberg's movie obviously includes that and everything i didn't know all these details uh you know about about how bad the uh, how badly botched that uh you know that rescue attempt with the helicopters was uh i didn't know that the you know that there was a a really misguided attempt to to send uh people in you know through uh the the air vents or whatever uh at one point um you know i mean like, <laughs> I, like i said originally i do think the movie's objectiveness you know, in terms of, of edu- being educational in, in this regard is kind of at odds with, you know, the specifically like the soundtrack choices and the editing oh, choices God. that Kevin oh, McDonald makes. Yeah, I, I, th- I would say those are those are pretty big flaws. But I my my theory is that it was sort of like he was trying to do he was trying to do sort of like a, the Michael Moore style uh, of document documentary document documentary style, and he, I was giving and him he should a little more credit. He should. I, 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 was, I was thinking he was. Uh, did, did when we were kings come out before this? Was that like ninety seven? Yes, I, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen. It. Is it any good? Uh, it's very. It's very good. But okay. there's you know because they were putting on their own show and sporting event. There was you know an element of uh, the musicians that were there, and so for long stretches of the film, they, they show, you know, what was going on in this big production of putting on this, this boxing match between these two, you know, Titans. And I, I had that in the back of my mind where I was like, see, you know, is he trying to, to sort of like graft on some, like some, some, you know, music of the time, which it does come across as just Mm -hmm. sort of trashy. And just, you know, especially when it's, you know, juxtaposed with like actual human bodies, you know, that we're seeing. I, 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 yet again, going back to the, the, the people, the decision makers of the time for, for putting on this, this particular year's Olympics. I, I'm wondering why there was not someone in the room like, hey, Kev, uh, maybe not. Why don't we try a different, let's try a different angle on the same material, the same information, because as a pure procedural, I think for the most part, it, it works very well. But almost all of the sort of, I guess, stylistic decisions, uh, yeah, I think it, it really, really brings this one down quite a bit. I think those are fair comparisons. They they didn't kill the movie for me, but I think they're fair comparisons. Have you, by any chance, seen a documentary called Life in a Day? I don't think so, no. So that's a documentary that's directed by Kevin McDonald, and it it's a very interesting uh, uh, premise for a documentary in that 
they and I believe it was produced by Ridley Scott and it was a you know big um thing uh somewhat when it when it was being made they established that they were going to collect all this footage from people all around the world on one day uh, of life in you know 2011 and they caught got all this footage and then they assembled it and told the story you know of that day uh, you know, I have it on, on my media server, which is, which is shared to you. So you can, you know, feel free to check it out at now. some point. Um, it's only uh, 95 minutes. That's, that's pretty bold. That they- <laughs> it, it's a great, it's a great film. It's one of the, I think it's one of the true gems, uh, from the last like 20 years that people haven't seen. Uh, and that's, you know, that's why I was interested in checking this out that combined with the, the Academy Award win. And he has some other, you know, documentaries on, you know, under his belt that, that people have talked about for sure. Uh, I know Marley and, uh, you know, which is about Bob Marley and, and Whitney, which is about Whitney Houston. I know those have been talked to as, you know, good films by, uh, and I believe Touching the Void has been, you know, as well. I haven't seen them. Uh, I'm going to stick with Black Sea, the uh, submarine thriller he did with Jude Law. Was it good? Did you see it? I liked it. Yeah, I liked I th- it. I, I wanted to check that out. So yeah. I will probably check that out now. Um, yeah, I think, I think so this is going to be a real bit of disappointment for uh, Joe North. Um, because we're not really, you know, getting angry at each other that much, but I'm just going to say, you know, I, I think one day in September is worth checking out. It has a lot of bad touches in it. Uh, but overall, overall it's surprisingly informative. If, if you don't really know much about, uh, you know, the specifics of, this terrorist attack. And the thing that, that really strikes me with the interview with the surviving uh, member of the PLO, you know, you're thinking in the back of your head that this guy was 18 when it happened there, you know, plenty of time for reexamination for, for growth, for, you know, becoming a better human being. And the fact that he's able to, uh, you know, say he has no regret for, you know, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking. And, you know, it's a, you know, for, you know, I don't, I don't know if I could, I could have sat in a room with a person like that, um, you know, so I, I don't know. I give Kevin McDonald credit in that regard. Mm, I don't know if I'd go, I would go that far. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't have anything against the man for making that, that choice. Um, but I also I do like thinking back. I don't really know if he's because of that, because there is no, you know, and maybe that's just wishful thinking. There is no actual like sort of moral arc to this man. Uh, I don't really know if he, what he contributes really was that interesting to me uh, because he is like, he is just a one note uh, horrible person uh, basically. uh, But that's what, but that's what we find out. And that's my, so that's my position on oh, that okay. choice is that's what we find out. And, he, and, and obviously they didn't know that going into mm. this interview, mm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess Kevin McDonald is a more, <laughs> more hopeful guy <laughs> than I would be. Um, but I do, you know, I, I do take issue with uh, the, the stuff that easily could be fixed. You know, I, I don't okay. think you have, you probably don't have much of a movie if you remove that particular uh, subject and all of, all of his commentary uh, because I, I think that's, you know, it, it's interesting as a, as a part of the whole, as far as the, the people who are part of the rescue operation as well. Um, seeing that 
they really they could have successfully uh, done something else, and they're just like. You know, the, the fact that putting your faith it, – it's, it's a really cynical movie in the sense that you're putting your faith in people who you think th- this is the time that you're not going to allow for any ineptitude. And not only that, they, they sort of seemingly welcomed it at every turn. Like every turn where they should have their shit together, uh, they they chose not to. Um, but yeah, the, the, the stuff – I think the stuff that bothers me more about the film is that it's it's all – it's all stuff that could have been fixed in the edit uh, without really changing the, the, the content too much or the, the narrative. Uh, just, yeah, just some the, the, the music that just makes it feel like a, a beer commercial at times was just like, God, this was really just poor form uh, on this one. Um, so all right, what I would you rather, like what it. would you rather watch Benavista social club again or, or this uh, Joe I mean, North wants to know. Okay. So like, uh, you know, as far as the subject matter, I would say this is inherently more interesting, uh, considering I'm I'm not, you know, uh, the music scene uh, of Cuba of a particular time period. I can't say even after uh, having watched that that uh, it it caused me to have any more interest in it. Whereas at least with this, you know, it did. I mean, I guess I can say it made me want to watch Munich again, um, which is a film that I love. Um, but as far as you know, as far as what is more enjoyable to watch. I, I would, I would probably posit that, uh, you know, just sitting around and watching some old guys just, you know, play music and enjoy themselves is probably more enjoyable than, than this. I mean, this is, uh, it's, it's purpose, purposely a very distressing movie. Uh, uh, not only about, you know, innocent athletes, uh, losing their lives, but the, the fact that the people that should have, should have cared about those those athletes uh, and about the, the the supposed message of the game uh, were totally reckless with their, their lives. Uh, I can't say there's anything really enjoyable uh, about this, but well, I will grant you that the content is is more interesting <laughs> than some old timers. I'm a very music. dark, cynical person, Dennis, yeah. and and you know I just feel like uh, you know we should examine. Uh, you know, the darkest, uh, you know, days and everything. And, and, you know, the, like, you know, li- uh, is, I, I think this is a, mo- oh yeah. Okay. Well, let's quote boyhood. Life doesn't give you bumpers, you know? Um, and, and that's the way I feel about this. As good as Munich is, as good as Steven Spielberg's Munich is the one area that, that always feels a little off to me is, the is in you know the the uh, last twenty minutes or so where he has that just juxtaposition between Eric Bana, uh, you know, trying to make love with his wife and and intercutting the failed you know uh, the failed uh, rescue attempt mm-hmm. that we see here and um, you know that's that's the one scene that I think that I'm kind of unsure uh, what what Spielberg was going for. Uh, and, and, and I, and I think, you know, the answer, the answer is, is that, is that, you know, the, is that, that whole story of what, of what happened, you know, is, is just as interesting as, uh, as the Mossad, uh, reaction, uh, to the terrorist attack. And, you know, and I didn't know that, you know, <laughs> until seeing this film. So in that regard, in that regard, it served its purpose. I think you're contradicting yourself from a previous statement you made on the, our last recording. Uh, and I, I have it here. I can drop in the clip where uh, you did claim that uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the greatest <laughs> film ever made. So this this does not align with that statement previously as far as your sensibilities and tastes. So I've, I don't know. I, I've I don't given know. you too much material. 
you know <laughs> that's the that was the problem you know all right <laughs> Speaking of which, what uh, what is the uh, next bit of material we're going to well, give our devoted listeners? I've been very distracted trying to defend um, one day in September that I so I don't have the schedule up. But uh, right, okay, nice. I have it up now. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. This is my. Okay. I finally get to get my dig. You know. In <laughs> so uh, so you know I don't know. It's like a year ago. Uh, you know, uh, I pitched like a really good, a really good war machine versus war horse episode. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I pitched a movie that has the same title as this movie that we're going to watch. And it starred Henry Fonda and it's it, it written, adapted from a Gore Vidal play. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's directed by Franklin J. Schaffner. And it's a really strong movie from 1964, black and white. And it has the same title as this movie from 1999. <laughs> that is a really skewed. I have been holding on to that for months. Uh, I, I remember watching, I think about 15 minutes of that. And I did not, I was not uh, enthralled uh, oh by my God. Mr. Fonda's work. Uh, I think I still, I may even still have the, the copy that you sent me Uh on my iPad. I don't know if I delete it. So is that Philistines, help you at all? Philistines. It's still there. It's nothing it's but still there. Philistines. Uh, uh, but yeah, <laughs> this would be uh, The Best Man, uh, which yes. has nothing to do with uh, Henry Fonda or politics. No. I, I, well, <laughs> I guess the political maneuverings of a tight-knit group of friends uh, would be the closest you get. But, uh, Not really, this is, though. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I mean, would you? Uh, well, see, I'm, I'm a, and we'll get into that on the next episode because this, this is a, a strange film, uh, in the sense that there was a sequel that uh, came about what 12 years after the fact, mm-hmm. <laughs> a Christmas sequel, which continues, I guess, the best man cinematic universe. But for the purposes of 99 from 99, this is the fourth appearance by Tay Diggs, my favorite actor of that year, apparently. Well, I'm not tired of him. You know, like oh. I like I am of Jerry. Like if you tried to get me to sit down and watch a Jeremy Northam movie right now, I I don't think I could do it. But uh, you know oh, no. what? I could do a fifth Tay Diggs movie. Do I, am I do I have my numbers wrong? Maybe I'm jumping ahead uh, because we actually oh yeah, because House on Haunted Hill hasn't happened yet. after. Yeah, you know. Uh, but yeah, we did have uh, Time Traveler Michael Dennison. Yes, the wood and go, and I think that's it. Maybe I missed one, but uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, this now, this is getting back to the top material that I'm comfortable with uh, because <laughs> you know it, it fits. And no offense to best man fans, it fits in that general's daughter area where I'm like, I don't know. You could go any way with this, and I don't think anyone's going to take it too personally. Uh, this is not holy ground that we're on uh, with the best man. So I, I think this one's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Well, I'm glad we got you back to your comfort zone. That's you know, <laughs> that's what this podcast hey, is all about. <laughs> that's what doing this is all about, is getting you into your comfort zone, making you feel nice and uh, you know warm at night. And There aren't evil people in the world, Denison. It doesn't happen. <laughs> I think I don't think I can top that as far as having music playing with that <laughs> that bitter pill that you're throwing out to our listeners. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99 from 99.